You are listening to the <laughs> favorite show of every right friends. <laughs> I'm Michael Swain, which rhymes with frame. And strange. That's true. Kind of. That's not true. I'm Abe, yeah. Abe Epperson, and Abe kind of sounds like strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. I'm the other guy. I'm the other guy. And together we have all the pieces we need to describe the film we're talking about today. But lo, wait. What guest through yonder window breaks? There's a third voice with us. Hark. Breaking through the window. That's right. Smash through and introduce yourself very That's how I always, always enter rooms now, smashing through windows. I'm Clint Gage. Hi, guys. Hey, Clint. If I may gush a little. Formerly of Team Tiger Awesome. Sure. A troop I consider like a sister troop of our, like, definitely- we definitely occupied the same circles at the same time doing roughly the same thing. And we looked over at each other's shit and we were off and like, hey, that was good job, guys. Hey, that's that's funny. And then and every time you guys each other. Yeah. every time you guys reached out to ask us to be in in anything that you guys were doing, it was like this this giddy little thrill. We were like, Whoo, this is gonna be fun. Aww. And uh, I'll never forget the cut footage of Monday smashing Katie Stoll's head into a door frame. I feel like that made my, it. Do you remember that? that? Didn't that make it yeah. into the final cut? Actually, did didn't, it? Didn't that actually? I it should have. Uh, I mean, that's I the kind of thing like that if it happens, role. like you really mm-hmm. need to, you really need to include that. Otherwise, it was in vain. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to waste that kind of accent. Because <laughs> he clearly man. did it on purpose, is what you're saying. <laughs> it's in vain. Yeah. Like, no, what's the I, whole point? I I still don't give Nick that much credit. <laughs> yeah, I do. I think about that head injury more than. You'd probably imagine, but that's not why. We're, well, an injury is a good segue into the film. We're talking Doctor Strange Love, um, mm-hmm. another Kubrick. What was the? Last, I think the last Kubrick we covered was probably Shining on the Kings of King. Yes, <gasps> I think we had two thousand one with Dave. Oh, that's right, Dave rate. picked two thousand one. So yeah. we don't. We usually do deep dive series based on uh, particular auteurs. We have no Kubrick cast, but there is sort of a shadow one shaping up here. Uh, maybe we'll eventually get the get, uh, get Clockwork it. Orange, the one I really want to get. But yeah. at the very least, now, you, you could craft a, a curated playlist at this point, it sounds like. Mm. Ooh, at the very yeah, least. Damn. God, you're good at organizing town oh, and then slinging it to the people. Boy, boy <laughs> do, I hate, do I hate that that's where my brain went. But this is... Like, <laughs> What? Low so these what? are trying yeah. times. Hey, Always yes. thinking about the content. Can we just talk about our baby? metadata real quick, and then we'll get mm-hmm. into it. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, before Hell we yeah. get around to packaging this, yes. let's, let's sling the actual tent. Clint. Let's unpack it. What's your experience with Dr. Strangelove, Kubrick in general? And if you wouldn't yeah. mind like nutshelling the film for people who may not be aware of it at all or its place sure. in, in the zeitgeist. So, uh, Dr. Strangelove is, I mean, this is, or how I stopped learning, or or how I stopped worrying and love the bomb. Uh, it's, and I still think I messed that up. I will mess it up every time, but in learn to live the bomb, learn to live the bomb. Yeah. Let me see. Okay. Or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. (gasps) Um, we all fucked it up. Okay, great. Every, every single one of us did. Good start. But yeah, it's a great start. (laughs) But I remember back in high school, I would subtitle all of my, uh, here's my excuse for getting it wrong. I would subtitle all of my English papers with some variation on this. It would be like, you know, 
uh, the crucible or how I learned to stop worrying and love witchcraft. And, like, or, you or know, like, yeah, crush uh, the guy who's just minding his own business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how I learned to, to love having stones placed on my chest. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. the, uh, so I, yeah, I was in high school when I, when I first sort of coming into my own film, you know, I was the movie guy all of a sudden. And so like I had, I also had to like Kubrick and Dr. Strangelove was the first one that I really, really liked. Like it ticks a lot of boxes for me. I think it's the one that really mm. got me into, to like dark comedy and, and satire <clears throat> and all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. and probably some of the boxes I require to be ticked by movies were probably like a list joke. I love a good list joke and the, you know, major Kong rattling off the contents of the survival kit on the plane is mm-hmm. a wonderful list joke. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things from this movie that, that kind of, I don't know that I just, I just love, it's just a great movie. But yeah. before I just start talking about random stuff, there's no context for, um, the movie, Dr. Strangelove or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb as we've just found out is, uh, is basically about an airbase commander, a guy named Jack D Ripper, who de- decides just on his own to launch an, uh, an all-out nuclear attack on Russia by giving a an order to his, the air wing that he's responsible for, and there's just no real coming back from it because the plan is in place to make sure that it happens if it happens, and it, there's all of these insane logistics, and the movie sort of follows the process of trying to, to kind of call the bombers back and undo this, this insane decision that this one guy made um and three peter sellers are there which is always a treat um but it's uh see i want to talk too much about it to summarize it neatly i think is the problem well i I think you did that admirably so yeah you did that we got the setup and it's funny the The whole thing is funny it's nuclear uh apocalypse that's funny that's right. Nuclear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. New, we all agree. Especially. Just said that up top. Uh, and you gave me time to look up anagrams for Dr. Strangelove, which include Dove Strangler and Grandest Lover, both of which okay. tickle me. Wow. Um, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like that could be the same guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so. You, um, I they're not mutually this t- exclusive. <laughs> this time I was struck by how it's uh, an archetype for two things that I really love. Um, one being, uh, like you said, the dark comedy satirical angle, which goes all the way to, I mean, you know, inheritors today include like Ianucci and we just covered death mm-hmm. of Stalin, which is so yeah. great and reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of strange love. Now watching them in close proximity, I realize the connections. And then even furthermore with the sellers connection, um, it never occurred to me how much this sort of probably, had to be at least a piece of giving Mike Myers the confidence that, you know what? I'm just going to fucking play them all. That's my thing. Are you trying to draw a straight line from Dr. Strangelove to fat bastard? To Pentaver, <laughs> even worse. Yeah, the Pentaver. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, no, I, that line is still being drawn. Right. Yeah, we can draw. We can draw that line for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. like Peter Sellers, that was his bit, right? That was his. He was like. Yeah. Uh, he was like a Mike Myers in a way because he played multiple uh, people in Lolita, uh, I think, mm-hmm. and also another film. But like the producers were like, he's got to play four roles. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he was he movie. was supposed to also be 
uh, Major Kong, the pilot. Yeah, um, but he he got Slim hurt. Pickens. Yeah, so they, they brought Slim oh, Pickens in to replace a fourth Peter Sellers, which honestly, Slim Pickens is is just perfect, just so good, so much better. There's yeah, also this guy Dimitri you keep hearing only over the phone, who I like to imagine is Peter Sellers. <laughs> and you just don't ever cut to him because they ran I mean, out I, of time. Yeah, in a way, it is because I mean that that's one of my favorite because also like meanwhile Bob Newhart's phone bits are also mm-hmm. one of my all-time right. favorite things. Right. And so right. anytime uh, anytime President Merkin Muffley, played by Peter Zellers, of course, is uh, talking to Premier Kissoff, which, by the way, the names, like the the idea that all of these, they just have car- cartoon names. Which is Merkin yeah. Muffley. Merkin Muffley. That means uh, groin wig yeah. and like vagina hair as right. an adjective. It's basically, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pres- mad, it's pretty yeah. mad magazine. President yeah. vagina wig. Um, yeah. yeah. What but is anyway, the other, that, the that other conversation oh, that he Buck has? Buck Turgidson, sorry. Buck Turgidson, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's even like a, a Colonel Bat Guano towards the end, which is like, that's, you're just <laughs> not just even trying up. at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're just saying words. I mean, Jack D. Ripper is the most on the nose one, but that could be an actual name. Uh, James and then you Earl get, Jones. You get all the way to Colonel Lothar Bat Zog. <laughs> Wait, what? James Earl Jones' name is what? Lothar Zog. I, I don't even think they that. say that his name. The they don't. It, yeah. No, it's just in the credits. That's amazing. It's just hilarious. He's thing. barely in it, and he's so young. Yeah. Yeah, he's so young. It's got to be one of his first things. I didn't look yeah. that up, but. Yeah. Wait, what year is it? 64 now when the movie came out great 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 yeah 2022 so color is firmly in play so that was a choice all right yeah yeah yeah, it was a choice it was a choice yeah um but man as dark satire goes like it definitely it established so much like even the opening shot is a narrator over a shot of clouds of course in this case it turns out to be so you can see planes suggestively refueling as if they're boning yeah and in retrospect that's the plane that's destined to end the world but also it just reminded me of nothing so much as brazil when which is also Mm -hmm. a dark satire about how things slowly fall apart because one thing goes wrong well and And, that uh, and that awful bureaucracy that we create ourselves that then make it impossible to not end the world i think yes (laughs) like there's there's a lot of that going on and and in yeah, Ianucci they, too, like, you know, that's, that's, yeah. I hadn't thought of that until you brought that up, but yeah, I mean, Ianucci's stuff, uh, between Veep and Death of Stalin and all that, like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it's very related. It even tracks it's, with stuff like The Wire, or it all speaks to this death urge or the belief that we're too smart for our own good and we're therefore doomed, which is yeah. it's definitely so crazy. I mean, <laughs> no, Kubrick, sure. I, I mean, Kubrick, it, that's the thing with Kubrick. It's like, uh, every time he makes he made a film 20 years later they were still quoting it right like there's so much apocalypse now in this movie uh you know with just like all the soldiers firing wildly into nonsense <laughs> even die hard uh if you guys remember the film die hard they have the saint smart come marching in mm-hmm. song mm-hmm. playing that's like in that both would, films, be, it plays uh, over. Die wrote hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance, actually. That's right. Uh, over plays over like the rote like preparation by soldiers like doing their work. Um, yeah, that seems like a reference, you know, from Die Hard. Well, in the uh, the the Ken Adam production design was just all. I mean, he had. I think he had done a Bond movie or two at this point. 
but like yeah, that war right. room um it's cool is i mean any war one of the room, coolest I mean, was, sets of all time yeah and and like the number of just not even trying to hide the reference to dr strange love sets that you've seen like i oh, just sure. i, I right. saw a movie just the other day that i was like why are you making a dr strange love reference here like this isn't this is clearly just a filmmaker <laughs> just that's by like, reflex yeah yeah it's just it's just a filmmaker that was like well there's a scene in a war room so i guess give me the strange love um yeah right and it doesn't it's like so thematically or anything like it didn't make a point out of it other than this is just what war rooms are supposed to look like in cinema language I mm -hmm. guess, but. Mm -hmm. i'd say that's right i think it's rare that you get a satire that's so spot on that there has to be and it's certainly a function of the era but there's a disclaimer at the beginning of this movie promising you that this is not spot on yeah <laughs> Yeah, they're like, that, don't worry, this won't happen. Well, now here is a very compelling argument that this will inevitably happen someday. Yeah, I, I think I think the the movie is is it works on it and it still works today in a couple of ways that I think I don't know, like back because back in the sixties, if you were what thirty, you were mm -hmm. in living memory of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? Right, right. like, and that's that's not a thing that we have anymore. So like the idea of making a dark uh, comedy about nuclear holocaust at, in 1964 is, I mean, it's ballsy, right? Like, I mean, because all this was also the same year that um, Failsafe, Failsafe came you, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Failsafe and, and, and Dr. Strangelove, they were both based on books that were already popular too. And so like, you know, it was, it was out there and just to make a funny version of it is... <clears throat> is right, kind true. of hilariously bold well <laughs> to, bold right, right. For, yeah because it's yeah. the duck and cover drills are within living memory it's like sure. doing yeah a school shooting movie now and somehow having it be funny and go off right well where people yeah. are like that actually made points i can get behind man yeah. you're really right. threading a needle there my yeah. friend yeah but mm -hmm. i mean just yeah, the yeah. the I mean, how, how it leans so heavily into the absurdity of everything. Like, cause I, the, the thing that strikes me about it now too, is that it is a slow movie. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it, you know, it's what an hour 30 something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not a long film, but it does in some ways feel longer than, you know, a clockwork orange or some of his other it stuff. It feels that, like maybe eight, eight one act plays stapled together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there exactly. really are full scenes. There's, there's not like a, uh, you know, like a, a through line of, uh, you know, a pace to the to the movie mm -hmm. that I, I think that you you don't really see movies like that much, and so it feels long by today's standards, mm -hmm. I think. But then also, uh, I mean, the way that everything gets so bogged down into logistics, like I mean, there's that scene early on when you know President Muffley is trying to get all the info out of Turgeton, mm -hmm. uh, which is a hilarious sentence uh, by itself, yeah. <laughs> but. And they just keep going, well, what if, what about this? It's like, well, no, actually, you can't do that because of this X, Y, and Z. And like, well, okay, but then how about this? It's like, no, I mean, well, there's, uh, you know, A, B, and C. There's a reason we can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, that's my George C. Scott mumble, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well yeah. we can't do that. The, uh, uh, so, like, they, the way that they get so bogged down into, like, all of the checklists and all of the, the bureaucracy of it and all of the, like, and, and how absurd it is. Like all of the 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 straight versions of the story, right? The failsafe and and red alert, which is the the book that that this was based on. Like, it's all of it's these like cautionary tales of like guys, this might happen. Whereas this movie right. is like guys, this might happen. 
And it's it's insane that like three or four assholes are responsible for it. Right. It's, and it's like, fucking funny. Yeah. It's, what it's, are you going to do? You just right. got to laugh. Yeah. This is how close we are. And how silly is that? Like, which, which is, is which is right. the next step that this movie takes that I yeah. think for the 60s is was probably pretty, pretty insane. Well, that's what I was going to ask is because even I was trying to think the day the earth stood still, they saved the earth at the last minute. I believe we repent or they give us a, like a warning like, yeah, but if you keep yeah, down this road, you're yeah. going to be fucked. Um, yeah. Is this the first like mainstream movie where it ends with and then the world ended the end? Everyone well, died. The end. Phil, go home. Like, Phil safe did it, didn't it? Because they had to. Yeah. Because they had to, they had to bomb Manhattan for recompense to walk us back. Just because people haven't seen Failsafe in today's, you know, like most people haven't seen it. But what did you see the 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 live version that George Clooney did back in the nineties? Oh, I didn't see it back back in the days where he was Wiley in it. Yeah, well, he took it was like the whole cast of ER. They were just because they (laughs) they did like live episodes of ER for a little bit too because Clooney was like, I don't know, my parents did it. So that is so funny. Anyway, yeah, but Failsafe is Sidney Lumet who. Uh, Devil Knows You're Dead. I mean, 12, 12 Angry, Angry Men. Yeah. yeah, there's a huge pedigree. But uh, he made this the same year. In fact, they didn't even know until they were shooting it that each other it's were shooting. The ants and bugs. An identical. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, deep impact Armageddon, basically. <laughs> uh, but like. Volcano, Dante's that Peak, my friend. Is not re- that is not really satire. I mean, there's absurdity in it, but it's actually playing it straight. And the right. ending is super well known. It's super haunting because it's a countdown. It's like 10 nine and it does that while she shots just photos of people in new york who are just going about their day yeah. and you know mm-hmm. that like yeah. they're going to so, explode and it's haunting spoiler alert for a 70 year old movie but like, sure yeah the yeah. it ends it ends with the bomb dropping in russia and the president president henry fonda making the deal to be like we'll let you bomb manhattan and we'll call it square right and, and so like, Kubrick ha- had to avoid that, right? Because yeah. Kubrick was or dealing with the that. Oh, in the Zeitgeist. was in that um, dildo doorknob. Dildo doorknob. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But he had to like prepare for an audience that was now acclimated to a great fear, not only from the news and just how, you know, America was during the Cold War, but also that, uh, you know, like recent movies are being made sane specifically. This is something that you should worry about. So I think that's probably why he put the uh, the ex- disclaimer in there, like very, very loudly in the fr- in the opening credits twice. Yeah. Well, incidentally, that's also a spoiler alert for maybe 60% of all science fiction short stories written in the 50s, the decade preceding this mm-hmm. film coming out. So it was definitely a time of i mean this is huge in the public consciousness because it might end the world so let's all write stories about it you know this wasn't it wasn't alone in that but i do think clint really puts into relief how like wild it was in making fun of it Uh, and that almost recontextualizes it to me in a way that I'm going to mull over for some time to come. Where I'm like, so was Kubrick almost a Trey Parker figure then <laughs> at this time? Because there is stuff where that I think speaks to the reversal of the gravitas that I normally associate with Kubrick through things like 2001 um, or Eyes Wide Shut, where you're like, we're going to be fancy now and talk about serious things. It's a real right. time. Fancy. Let's watch Kubrick. This movie has... A guy trying to get a soda out of a soda machine uh-huh. and it sprays him in the face. And then we slow 
like fade to the next scene. And yeah. like it's it's wild to me imagining Stanley Kubrick thinking that's really funny and going like, Yes, I Stanley Kubrick have like put that yeah. in or writing that in. Like yeah. the right. Coke sprays him in the face. That's a good bit. Well, I'm Stanley and- Kubrick. <laughs> You wonder too, because like the the book it's based on is uh, is is fully it it it's it's a it takes it seriously like it's it's a right. it's a drama and like that one that one pulls back like they don't it it ends in a way where for a minute you think that the that the bomb dropped and then like three fourths of the way through the next scene you realize that it didn't and they're talking about mm. how to sort of you know move forward after the near miss. So like right. the book that it's based on doesn't end the way that the movie does. But then mm-hmm. like there are all those moments where you were it for to, to me it's like Kubrick was a really smart guy but I don't think he was a funny guy. Like right. he like it's he's got that level of of being really smart and really satirical and really like here is specifically why it's absurd and I'm uber talented enough to present it in a way that you guys will all get that but then i also think it's funny to see a guy get sprayed in the face by coke you know like right, it's yeah, like there's like, like that like level of like put a no dog my, in it. my yeah. his actual sense of humor is like dad joke humor i think but like i think that's right yeah because yeah the, i mean the but also like you know thinking about the course of the movie and like all of the crazy nonsense that's happened leading up to the point where you know Group captain with uh, Lionel Mandrake, Mandrake, also Peter Sellers, is j- he just needs mm-hmm. change so that he can make a phone call to the president to stop this from happening, and he has to convince a guy named Colonel Batguano to shoot open a coke machine so that he can get more quarters to pay for the collect call because the war room won't accept the charges, and like that's how the world is saved. And in the process, a guy gets sprayed in the face with with soda. Yeah, and like right. which that that honestly, like when you put it in that way, like it doesn't feel like a joke. That feels like the natural way to end this story. In, well, in parts of it ways. feel so, it's just absurdity, but yeah. not really funny. Parts of it feel really dated, especially the pacing. Um, but then parts of it feel searingly relevant to the point that it's upsetting that it's still relevant. Like, yeah, it's very, I think, notable in this day and age that. Um, Turgidson, the guy who's actually going rogue and causing the nuclear, what do you call event? Oh, oh no, Ripper. That's, that's Ripper. Ripper, yeah. Ripper. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Turgidson is the guy in the war room trying to spin yeah. it. Scott. Um, yeah. Ripper, the guy actually causing the event. His concern is the loss of male essence through yeah. the physical act of lovemaking, draining your bodily fluids, which is a total... That's no fap. Like that's a thing yeah. that's, that <laughs> right. that movement yeah. it persists online, and they really believe that. And I think it's especially notable that um, Mandrake comes at him with logic a bit and tries to dismantle his argument, and he eventually accuses him of being a pervert, which is just like fucking PizzaGate. It's yeah. like yeah, he even believes in the conspiracy theory. Like anyone who opposes me is a pedophile. Uh, I gotta launch the nukes because. They're draining our bodily fluids. Right. And I'm just like, damn, I, I have to, still hits too close to home. I have to launch the nukes because I was tired after sex. That right. is, okay. Is, is I, worse than after, that, because this is supposed to be a joke. That's supposed to be hilarious. Right. That, uh, he but, felt a vague, hollow, empty feeling after orgasming once. Right. And he's like, oh, I see. I have to end the world. <laughs> yeah. and, he was, and he's in a position to do so. Um, Which is like, yeah. I mean, to think to think that people uh, 
who are in charge are any different than just regular people, I think is, is another right. sort of lesson from this movie <laughs> or not, not so much lesson, but another sort of like a, a reason for its sort of lasting relevance. Right. Like I, I think just knowing that even it like, okay, you're president. That doesn't mean you're not an idiot. Like it just right. means that you or happen to be president or can't have exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's your favorite sellers in this? Uh, honestly, it's, it's, oh. uh, well, shoot. I want to say my Dang. favorite sellers in it is Mandrake. Yep. I um, agree completely. I think Mandrake's the, the most underrated diver- performance. He, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. the most performance also. Like, well, Dr. Strangelove is only in, like, like maybe five to eight minutes of the film. Yeah, screen time-wise, I think Mandrake is is the winner. Um, which may be why, why I think it. But, my, I mean, my favorite scene is still that, is 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 Muffley on the phone with, with Kiss Off. Like that's my favorite scene, yeah. I think, in the whole, in the whole. Because at that point, he's just like trying to calm him down, talking like talking that child talk to a drunk buddy. Tone <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah. is so good. Um, yes, well, yes, it is unfortunate. Well, do, I mean, don't of tell I me. Call you no. Don't tell me that you're sorrier than I am. Like we can both be sorry. <laughs> I'm like, sorry as you I'm are. I'm sorry <laughs> as you are. Yeah, uh, it's. Which I yeah, I also wonder. Babies, like I think I think poignant. Bob Newhart was showing up. Right around the yeah, same time, or maybe I'm not. I'm not, I don't know. It's a chicken or the I egg mean, thing. I th- like it was yeah, the '60s I, were hilarious with pretending to be on the phone. I, think, I guess is the point. I think Peter Sellers is kind of the OG of that shit. Uh, he's frankly like like Pink Panther and all that stuff. Like he was, he was pretty. He's pretty settled in this era as like this is as the guy yeah. you know, who could do this kind of stuff to do the bumbling kind of Mr. Bean of America. Yeah. Uh, and I and love it, that he even paved the way for that career turn that Bill Murray has taken and Adam Sandler to a similar degree. Cause then oh, he did being, being there. there. Being He's there, like, yeah. that's right. At the end of your career, you can do these dramas. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, he just really was a trailblazer, man. He did it all. I love yeah, him so Sellers much. Yeah, Sellers is an OG. It, it, the, yeah. Him showing up for five minutes in the, the in Get Back, the, the Beatles documentary recently, was mm-hmm. right. was just the funniest five minutes. Like, he showed up, he it's sat down, and he was like, I'm leaving. And then just go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't, why am I here? And just took off. Yeah. I'm Peter Sellers. I don't need this. <laughs> I don't need this. Yeah, uh, he definitely has some of the more classic lines in this. Obviously, like gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Yeah. Still the line classic. Of the movie. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's uh, one of those lines that everybody knows. But even if they haven't seen the movie, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, I mean, for, it was one of those lines. That even even when I was a, a kid watching this, it was like, you know, when they said that line, I was like, oh, that's what this is from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are also and, watching this movie for the first time so many Simpsons jokes that I all of a sudden got. <laughs> yeah 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 they love the simpsons absolutely love kubrick yeah. it's like in their dna to make fun of kubrick uh there is quite a bit of, i kind of want to s- still talk about the satire of this mm-hmm. uh because i mean like yeah kubrick is not funny uh and but it's clear it's like a political cartoon clear. Come yeah. to life and yeah. Yeah. there's interviews about him about tackling satire because he didn't you know what i mean like he did in some little like some scenes of some movies like you mentioned earlier uh today we were talking about clockwork orange you know there's satire in that but mm-hmm. this is like a full-blown satire and he's talked about how he said it was harder to keep it from being funny 
which to me is something that a non-comedian would say, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it was, the comedy is easy. You know, you mm-hmm. just put a, you just spray someone in the face with some like Coke or something. Uh, but the reality was way too close to the satire. And so he's worried that people would think the problems were just nonsense. So like he thought that he thought that it was a problem that he was going, he was doing like bat guano shit and people wouldn't get the satire and it's, but he also put in the disclaimer about it being a complete fiction. So obviously he felt like he was walking on a tight rope. And I think that that kind of informs a lot of the decision-making in this movie. Sometimes it's, they're just going for the joke. Like, you know, Dr. Strangelove can't help his uh, one half of his body. His arm is still a Nazi. His his right arm is still a Nazi. Yeah. That's obviously a joke. You know, there's a binder that says world targets and mega deaths. You know, there's little little jokes. I love the, there's a shot at the end where the army is killing the other army. And there's a big mm-hmm. sign behind them that says peace is our profession. Yeah, there's there's also a sign right. in that scene that says keep off grass, which I think is really funny. Like there's there's yeah, a it's tiny like the l- ultimate punishment. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. There's tiny little bits of production design that are clearly exactly. choices to be to be funny. Like it's Simpsons just like sign we're gonna, jokes. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. But on the other side, there's a scene where Slim Pickens is uh, like after they verify Plan R, which is like the order to bomb Russia. Uh, the first thing he does to tell his men is that he says, you're going to get accolades and positive yeah. personal citations <laughs> and you're going to they're going to love you when you come back home. And it's kind of early. Like if you look at in terms of like the history of films that are talking about like anti-war films, 1964 is kind of early uh with a statement uh that the lower positions are kind of greedy like in the past war films were either propaganda you had like your john fords and they were expendable and stuff like that and then there was like some santa satirizations in anti-war films but it usually attacked those in charge so you can really see that uh like by its times, even by today's standards, Kubrick really despised war and those who profited from it, even all the way down to like the grunt level. Yep. And that's kind of that's like it's in less, 1964. Well, yeah. You know, like and you'll that, see something like All Quiet on the Western Front, which is more like that World War One vibe where you're like the madness and tragedy of war right. we ju- that we just can't yeah. escape. It's this crushing amorphous thing. And then you get later things like Catch-22 and Strange Love, where it's like, exactly. they're actually all pretty dumb. <laughs> and yeah. that's the real problem. <laughs> and that leads all the way to right. stuff like Three Kings, you know, and yeah. uh, The like Wire. Gen- Generation, Generation Kill. Kill. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, and even Jarhead, too, too a weird. Kill? No, I, I missed that one. Oh, so good. It's yeah. worth going back for. No, but but that scene you, you mentioned about him him talking about the accolades and everything, it comes mm-hmm. like that is it's it's the punchline to a scene where he's talking about like he's I'm sure everybody's thinking some, you know, some heavy thoughts about all of the the, the people that have right. already lost their lives. Like it's this really heavy sort of like we have a job to do kind of kind mm-hmm. of speech. He's like, and by the way, if we do this right. You guys are gonna get medals. It's gonna be a party. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like even even that that dynamic, like that juxtaposition of those two two thoughts is like I that's what that's what's great about this movie too. It's like you were gonna do the serious stuff and we're gonna talk mm-hmm. very plainly about all the people that are gonna die and things that are gonna happen, the things that are at risk here. But also like 
I'm a big dummy that thinks it's cool. We might get an award. Right. You know? Just to, yeah, exactly. Just to throw the absurdity out there. And I think that that's kind of the part and parcel of like Kubrick's miss, like his success in satire, but also like we talk about him not being funny. I mean, we're also comedy snobs, so there's that. Sure. But yeah. like, but ultimately I think what it comes, what it comes down to is that he was trying to navigate the space and he did it pretty well. Uh, and he was very scared of the fact that, I think he knew deep down he wasn't like naturally funny, but he knew like he had he was like, well, I have a good sense of humor, which is like all film directors yeah. in perpetuity. My, I watched this with my lovely mother and she didn't at the point that they identified it as Burpleson Air Force Base. She said out loud, oh, is this a comedy? Yeah. And like, that's yep. how subtle the actual humor is. Right. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. I think that line is so hard to like that tie rope is tough to walk. It's kind of awesome. I, it's one of those things where I, I don't want to say, I, I do sound like that old fucking guy who's like, Oh, but the, you know, it's not like they don't make them like they used to. They absolutely do. But like, it's, it's like, wow, 1964, they really did sometimes look at their audience and say, you're intelligent enough to get this because you kind of have to do a lot of vaulting as an audience member to kind of get the machinations correct. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, I do think that there, I mean, the tightrope is there for sure, but in some ways like Kubrick is sprinting across it. Like he, I mean, just <laughs> thinking about naming the characters because this, this movie, it, it also speaks to how he adapted books too right like most of his movies yeah. are adapted from novel most oh, if not can't all leave well enough yeah alone. That's but also but like you know i mean just taking the shining for example and it's sort of famously a middle finger to stephen king right? right like um and just sort of picking an idea that he's like here's the idea i like from this book and just forgetting about the rest but like the idea that he took this book that was that was all all straightforward and serious and then named characters Colonel Bat Guano and invented Dr. Strangelove for it. Dr. Strangelove himself like wasn't in, there was like a team of physicists or whatever in Red Alert, but he sort of distilled them all down into a half former Nazi. Uh, in really a like, feels like a grandfather of characters like the professor on Futurama and like even, even right. John Frank on The Simpsons. He's such an archetypal also established like this is the mad science this is the vibe of a mad mad scientist yeah he's a little weirdo yeah. freak look at him <laughs> he's a they little argue, weirdo freak they argued uh which has been popularized by things like the simpsons and stuff like uh dr strangelove apparently according to both sellers and kubrick is not a parody of kissinger mm. uh but Werner von braun uh who's kind of like you know operation paperclip German yeah. rocket engineer, all that stuff. But I don't know how he spoke, but like as soon as he opens his mouth as Dr. Strangelove, Peter Sellers is like iconic. Like it's yeah. immediately like something like that has been repeated so often that even us as babies of like the eighties, you know, like mm -hmm. identify just through things like the Simpsons or just through all the references he said. Right. It's the scientist telling everyone that society can survive we just have to stock the minds with hot chicks that yeah. all the scientists get to bone just, i've yeah. heard that joke so many times in my life from different yeah. right. weird loser scientist characters 
just ten hot chicks per each of us, <laughs> and per we ought to man. be able to. We ought to be able to come right back out in yeah. 80, 90 years. Like it's, since we have to be turgid all the time, we'll yeah. have to select hot chicks mm-hmm. to like. They will have to be very stimulating. Yeah, that that whole conversation, <laughs> and particularly because the uh, uh, the ambassador gets, he's like, yeah, okay, that's not bad. Like, <laughs> like all pretense yeah, right. of of nationalism is just gone, and he's just like, no, yeah, no, I'm in. Let's do it. Well, I believe. Meanwhile, he's also immediately like taking photos. He's of the war still room, taking which photos. Is moot yeah. at this point because they're right. all about to die, yeah. and um, they're talking right. about how they can't have a mine shaft gap. Yeah, like they're oh, yeah. which, if you're unaware, listener, the nuclear gap was like. And this is the rock and a hard place of nuclear proliferation, right? If you're in a cold war with another nation, it's like, well, maybe we should make it so that one person isn't in control of the nukes and like you have to flip three keys that are all separated. Okay, what if your enemy doesn't do that and they're yeah. they're crazy and they do the easy fire nukes and they're ready to go at a moment's notice? We all right, have to I be guess we should have the dangerous crazy. version. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like a game of chicken and and I don't know that it so ended, much. right? <laughs> no, I think we're still uh, in we still it. have those I mean, nukes. Yeah. There's, there's got to be. The fundamental truth a, about humanity, right? Yeah. It's no, crazy we're, we're that just, we've moved on to other concerns largely when that still exists. Well, and that's that's the other thing. I mean, going back to like how how ballsy or not this movie was at the time to be making fun of potential nuclear Armageddon. Um, mm. maybe, I mean, I don't, I wasn't around in the sixties. Like, I mean, other people clearly, right. cause they were making the pink Panther and other, other movies like that. I mean, sellers himself was off goofing off in every, every other movie he was in. So like, clearly it wasn't a, like, well, the sixties were defined by everybody was scared all the time for nuclear weapons. Like, so other stuff was around. It does sometimes um, seem like a lot of it is that though. Yeah. I, mean, there's I know. A fair right? bit. I know. Yeah. I know. Especially if you're a sci-fi like reader from the yeah. time it, it was yeah, really yeah. loomed large there's an onion article i'll never forget which was like uh because you remember the onion did our dumb century where they did historic headlines and one of oh, them yeah. from the 1954 was like sci-fi writers discover the bomb and then the whole article is like <laughs> we'll use it we're crazy we'll use it in every fucking thing <laughs> which is a very niche joke just for yeah. me that i really appreciated that's what makes the onion so great is every mm-hmm. every headline in there is written just for you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, does anyone have a theory as to why it's titled after Dr. Strangelove? Why I, to this day, I'm like, why is he the eponymous character? Uh, do, you, do you think yeah. they saw the footage and were like, that's the hit character? That's I a think, breakout character. Honestly, I think it's just, uh, I mean, there might be, I think, I think a lot of it is a Peter Sellers effect. Uh, mm-hmm. probably like he was, he was, uh, a, something of a narcissist, right? Yeah. I, th- I think that's part of the reason why he also didn't play. But Kong so is Kubrick. He, he kept, yeah. he kept like, he kept dicking around with, with Kong. And so Kubrick finally replaced them because they were, I don't mm-hmm. know, having a weird pissing contest about it. But, um, that might be based on some, like the Peter Sellers weird biopic that Jeffrey Rush was in now that I'm thinking about it, which may or may not be true at all. Point is, uh, I think part partially because he's the most mem- he's one of the most memorable characters, probably the most. Yeah, but then also like even just just strange love has like there's, you know maybe it speaks to our strange obsession with with killing ourselves um, to to some degree, uh, and yeah. it just it just sounds interesting. Like it, you know what? It pops. 
I'll say it, it. Just, yeah, just strange love. Just no, no doctor. Just strange love. Just strange love. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? It's also oh. no, 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 no. I'm just making a. Oh, you're it's, sa- it's you're it's making fine. a the yeah. Netflix joke or whatever. when they yeah. 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 when they when they the remake Netflix. it. Yeah, when Bezos remakes it for Amazon Prime. Um, I think is he's also he, he he's a perfect encapsulation of the absurdity that we've been talking about this whole time, right? He's like these are the people in charge. These are the people making this decisions. Right. And yeah. so like, that's kind of where the sad, the heart of the satire is. So that was probably it. But I think, yeah, it's why, why not call it something like a name that represents that instead of a person? Uh, I don't know. It's probably I mean, it, the Peter it, Sellers effect. Yeah, I'll be I, mean, honest, I think the weakest part of the movie is both parts of the title. Like I just think Dr. Strangelove yeah. is not very clear. And, how I learned to stop worrying and finally love the bomb or whatever. That sucks. I think they could have thought <laughs> it. It does suck because no one actually longer. does stop worrying and love the bomb. No well, one actually slim. does. Yeah. I guess, but slim, he's yeah, like, cool. he was already into it before. <laughs> I mean, that, shot, yeah, start that, worrying. Oh, when that, he opens the safe, puts away his combat helmet and takes out a cowboy hat, you're like, I get this character. Yeah, this, yeah, this is I know, my guy right into, here. Yeah, I, I do think there's part of it that like I always read the subtitle as as like from Kubrick, like that was Kubrick talking. Like I right. think I think yeah. that was that, oh like that you're was him. making this movie. I yeah, know, that was him. Pre- well, him presenting the absurdity of of the movie in the title. Like yeah. I mean, I do think like going back to the tightrope idea. Like there's so many like checks and balances in this movie. Like between uh, just a goofy ass title to get you in the door. The poster is one of my all-time favorite posters. It's like that that old so school, cool. yeah, with the uh, you know the president on the hotline and the you know kiss off has a woman draped over him and um. And there's that big shark coming and up. Then, from the yeah, uh, and then oh, and then the what? first also, thing that you see is uh, by the way this can happen, and then then for the next hour and a half it's like by the way this for sure could happen. But here's a guy named Colonel Batuano. Yeah, realistic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else is that they they were also they were dipping into the James Bond of it all, even though it has no, it's not a spy parody at all or anything like that. If anything, it's like a Jack Ryan par- genre more than a uh, yeah. James well, Bond. it's right. just. But they they did market it that way, so I wonder if that's why, like Doctor No or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're trying to make you think of, yeah, the the machinations of German German, you know. Yeah, Doctor No was Doctor No was out, but I, I think Goldfinger was also sixty four. So yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, it was all starting up right right around the same time. It was all starting up. Yeah, it was like Doctor Strangelove, James Bond, and Bob Newhart were the big, the three big things in the sixties. <laughs> three big things and the Cold War. And the Cold War. And Bob Newhart wasn't even supposed to be there that it's day. All it was how, amazing. How I learned to stop worrying and love the Bob Newhart. <laughs> the Bob. Bob. The- <laughs> love the Bob. Doctor Newhart kind of I, also has. Yeah. Him. I, I will what? say the, the other thing that I always remember about this movie is the great story that I hope I never find out if it's actually true. I haven't done enough research, mm-hmm. but the the thing about how George C. Scott didn't want to ham it up as much as he does in the movie. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. Kubrick was just like, no, nah, I tell you what, just do it in rehearsal and then rolled camera on rehearsal on and it. used that yeah. whole that whole thing. And George C. Scott like too. never forgave him or he was he was super mad wow. about it. He's super mad at him. In fact, um, in the same vein, uh, so like once when they were like, "All right, well, we're not gonna go with Sellers for uh, for Kong. We're gonna go with Slim Pickens." Their first choice is John Wayne, and John Wayne 
after reading the symbolic scripts, right. perfect was like but, absolutely but not. also famous because, asshole. yeah but <laughs> also famously like super conservative super rah rah, rah pro right. like war yeah. essentially S- george c scott is also that you know i mean the guy's fucking patent you know his mm-hmm. image is exactly was that at the time so the idea of him like doing a role on the the war that room they even got like, him is yeah. nuts yeah yeah well, he wasn't like he wasn't he probably yet. wasn't big fan um he wasn't but he still was the guy he's still that you know guy. what i yeah. mean yeah i can um, either affirm or deny whether he was that guy at that time <laughs> was he was he well, i think yet? it's just what his beliefs and it was yeah. just i don't you mean uh, he was a conservative? He's uh, super conservative, and guy. like yeah. he didn't want to do it yeah. because he personally had problems with making fun of America. Back yeah. back when you uh, could when you could come up on Broadway and still be a conservative asshole. <laughs> what yeah, exactly? So, do you know the story at all, Abe, of how Kubrick ended up in the director's chair for this then, and how he made those gets? Oh, I I I don't know how. Great. Like, I just assumed he was uh, <laughs> he was Stanley Kubrick just choosing his projects. But yeah. I don't know if there is a story. Well, at this point, he I mean, it's what his third movie. He did. Um, That's what I'm asking. What did he, he did, do before? What the, he did the Killing, um, Paths of Glory. I don't think in that order. I think the Killing with Sterling Hayden no. was, was prior immediately yeah. prior to this. So I don't think he was quite. Who he was. I mean, he didn't like, do two. He did 2001. Put him on the map. 68. Fear and Desire. Killer's Kiss. The Killing. Yeah. Paths of Glory. Spartacus. Lolita. Then yeah, Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. So he'd already done Paths of yeah. Glory. Spartacus. Lolita. He can get whoever the fuck you Spart- want. Yeah. Spartacus yeah. got him. Got him in. Yeah. Yeah. This and then four years later doing Space Odyssey, like basically solidified him as like the guy mm-hmm. but like at this point he's definitely on, like at the up and up paths of glory spartacus lolita as like in a matter of five years is pretty that's that's pretty good those, run. those went yeah those went pretty bonkers so i was uh wondering while i watched this like watching dark knight rises right and you see those shots where bane and his guys fall through the air into the plane and all that crap and you're like, they really did this, those crazy bastards. They really did it. I really yeah. wonder if people in 1964 got that impression of the airplane footage in Strange Love, just because Kubrick is so lauded. And I have no good fix on whether the footage was ahead or behind its time, because I thought the flying footage looked shitty in this well, movie. I, oh, yeah. He I, I did have that shit. thought, too. I, I'd never really watched it in the context the of what he- The comps are bad. Yeah. I, I never really watched it thinking about what he made just four years later. Like four years right. after this yeah. movie re- comes out, he puts out 2001, which is, it's like you couldn't you couldn't have made. Or a little, a little bit is it the equivalent of no. using clip art because you're trying to be right. funny? Yeah, like, yeah. Was that no, 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 no. It's it's because he's mimicking the f- war the pro war films of the previous decade, two decades that yeah. are shot like, terribly, that are shot terribly yeah. in black and white. It's the same decision of why he shot in black and white, right? right? Oh, sorry. I I would assume, no, I'd like just, to think so. Good yeah, I mean, that's a good idea. Yeah, good call. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that, that, makes that, sense. That's that uh, that visual. Okay, then visual guy. language that we're all but familiar I, with. The thing well, on my notes that I'm like, this must be addressed. Um, for someone with so c- much control and so <laughs> renowned for planning and and like having such a message, or maybe it's just wanting it, wanting to mess it up for comedy's sake, but. Can we talk about the weird improv ending <laughs> and the fact that he kept that take, which is if people have not seen it recently, it ends with Dr. Strangelove 
standing up out of his wheelchair because Peter Sellers was doing a take (laughs) and got carried away and stood. And then to save the take, he improvises the line, oh my God, I can walk. Um, And they end the movie with that. That's crazy to me. That's like Apatow. And this is in the 60s. It's just blow it all up. That you would blow it up to the degree that you end with an improv that's not even on theme. It has nothing to do with nukes. Yeah, it's like in a sketch comedy, like someone pulling out a gun and just shooting everybody. Yeah, or the cops showing up at the end of Holy Grail. Like, it really is breaking the system to a degree I did not expect. Yeah, I, 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 to my, I don't know. So my, like, my opinion is all it is is like, yeah, that's just Kubrick is not that funny, and he left it in, and Sellers was just doing what he was doing, which is usually they cut that shit, you know. I'm just I, surprised Kubrick didn't cut that shit. That seems like something Kubrick would cut and or like curtail. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's I, like also David Lynch being funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is the same dude that that tricked George C. Scott this whole time. Uh, and sure. like, like the way that he treated Shelley Duvall in The Shining is is just uh, just a legend. Like I hate I hate stories about directors doing bullshit. Like that's the one mm-hmm. thing that like I like his movies, right. but I'm I I'm convinced he was a horrible asshole. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's not like I to the point where I'm just point. like I don't need to read a biography Hitchcock or anything. Too. Like mm. I'm just like just you son of a bitch. That's just a mean thing to do to somebody. <laughs> Like, um, it's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's like, I, you know, I think the rule book by which he played was probably not as, as hard and fast as maybe we, maybe we give him credit for. I mean, so like, if there's something that worked, like it worked, like it's, it's maybe Maybe he was like a slim Pickens cowboy mm -hmm. than I'm thinking. I'm thinking of him as like operatic control. I think, I mean, I think he was to, to a certain extent, but like in this particular situation, like the, him being sort of defaulting to best idea in the room wins to uh, at Mm -hmm. some point, like, yeah. Like, I don't know. That was funny. I want it to be funny. I mean, wasn't wasn't a lot of uh, like Nicholson in the shining, his, the all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy scene. Wasn't most of that. Mm -hmm. Just, Jack Nicholson going insane. I think it was guided improv where he just yeah. said, yeah, you're yeah. just going to go insane. These are the beats, I believe. Right. The production designer so, typed I mean, there, it there up. There might be a, just like, I love it. a version of, of this where like, Maybe he, he's a he trusted, guy. Yeah. He trusted Peter there, Sellers at the very least. You know. Well, actually, the um, according to the internet, there's a copy of it where it does have a different ending because and he didn't like it so he tried to get rid of it uh well, it's tim curry comes ending. out and explains everything <laughs> the the yeah, yeah exactly and he did it he's yeah. the bomb yeah. uh the war room basically explodes into a uh oh, it's the food fight. fight yeah the food it's fight a food fight yeah was... because there's a large food table the whole movie and oh. he kubrick kubrick was like i don't like it because it's too farcical yeah which is hilarious which is which is hilarious i think that's slim pickens was later involved in that exact same ending in blazing saddles (laughs) that's right that's and he's saying it's too farcical in a movie that's what i'm saying it takes place at burpleson air force also what did you replace it with you replaced it with him standing and declaring that he can walk now so either he's a liar (laughs) or you're just the rules break down but honestly like that the hard cut to the nuclear explosions though like it needs a non sequitur like for, for the Lins. for the entire yeah. yeah for the entire i mean not for the entire movie to work but 
like to to keep with the theme of the whole movie of just like these of like, like their attention at, isn't even at on the these thing. insane yeah. people with their eyes so far from the ball um mm-hmm. like having that non sequitur lead straight into hard cut to exp- you know it's we'll true. meet again it like perfect chaos the, how it's it like. needs something that doesn't make any sense we're all gonna die. We could live in the mines. Yeah. We should build nukes in the mines. Wait, I can walk right. nukes because like, because yeah. there's a there's a thing there's a thing about the 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 food fight that there's some finality to it, like in a, in the, a yeah, weird way. Feels, like there's a, and there's you don't a, want finality. You want jagged. you know yeah you yeah. know that they've that they've completely regressed and they're literally throwing food at each other. Whereas this mm-hmm. is like they're just gonna keep talking like this right up until the world blows up. You know, yeah, like which and I it uses I think it's main comedic like maneuver, uh, which it definitely shares with Brazil is just the it's both disturbing and funny when there is an existential threat and people seem chillingly unconcerned <laughs> like yeah. like why yeah. aren't you more worried what no. where is the urgency I oh yeah, man that scene is my favorite i think from like a filmmaker perspective just like getting my rocks off on like kubrick's filmmaking mm-hmm. the scene with mandrake where he goes into ripper's office after finding a radio playing like the mm-hmm. civilian music you know and he's like okay so he starts off by saying more or less oh good so here's proof that like yeah the, like it's it's all a test or something because like he, the civilians are fine they don't know that there's there, there would be a different radio or it'd be off or whatever he's like something uh then he's like well something must have gone wrong because you know ripper's just quiet at this point and then he's like well you, you can't still think this is real and then he's like uh i'm using my authority to relieve you of command and then he can't get out of the room because the doors are locked which is a joke it's all one shot right yeah yeah and then I love that the next three shots are just a single close up of Ripper smoking and he's just unfazed. And then an insert of him moving a newspaper to reveal a gun and then a shot of Peter Sellers sweating. And I just can't think of a better example of a scene that is like as bare bones editorially. It's just what's needed. Mm -hmm. And it's just like that is such a cool way to show like, wow, you see the entire film displayed in front of you the madness is just because you're talking to a brick wall of logic they just are have made up their mind and it's just you don't even get a shot of them until you're like all right i'm done talking there's no way you can get around what i've said mm-hmm. and he just says here's a gun right. and it's just like well fuck then well, fuck and, all everything and that that's the scene that's got that that shot it's basically looking up at him from between his legs yeah. under the desk Right. Like it's it's just a it's banana shot that's got no business being anywhere except for like I, I don't know. I mean it's just he he is a terrifying that's not an yeah. angle that you ever want to look at a human face. And right. Kubrick it's like, Kubrick found it and used it in that scene and it's 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 weird, scary, and it makes me itch, you know? Like it's it's scary. Yeah. They they're like, We're gonna put the camera right on your dick. Yeah. Is that cool? Right. <laughs> yeah. And he's uh, no, and he, I insist. And he said, "I was, yeah, I was saying, about to ask why it's not yeah. there yet." Yeah, yeah. He's, you're seeing the, the whole big board. Yeah, the do you whole want big me board. to put my dick on the lens? No, no, no. We'll get that. Yeah. And we'll do it in post. Between that and uh, the the close-ups with the wide angles that they used in the war room, like I'm always mm-hmm. so I'm so happy about those, just because you see how many other people are there. 
Like how many oh other God, people so many are in the room? Extras. Yeah. Well, but how many other people are in the room watching this and allowing it to happen? All you know? middle-aged like, white right. men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just uh, right. just uh, you know, give me as many of the same looking motherfuckers same as you looking can. Same looking executive from Central. Central. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Welcome you to put the him 60s in a gray too. suit. Uh, doesn't matter because it's black and white there. anyway. Like just. <laughs> right. But they're all yeah. sitting there and, and and not moving. Like even even when you can see Strangelove right. in the background, he's not moving. Like yeah. everybody is just it's a it's a like a statue Waiting garden behind George hand. C. Scott on every one of his his right. his shots, which is so cool. Yeah, it's like a Renaissance painting. Yeah, that that Kubrick does have an eye. I mean, he's an asshole. Fuck the man, right? <laughs> but he did he did really have. There's this shot that this time around really did kind of fuck me up which was that the footage of ripper's men surrendering to the surrendering to the other 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 soldiers in the weeds mm-hmm. uh like it's actually like a really powerful shot or at least it affected me it like gave me a lot of suspense and worry that they like ah oh, shit they're just gonna shoot him i did actually oh, right. forgot yeah. that beat and it was like because we'd seen because he shot it like telephoto and he shot it like a in a way that like felt more. It didn't feel like a movie. It felt like home footage was, of like it was, Kent it was State or something. Like it was the yeah, only was part of the movie that was handheld. Yeah, it's mm. far too real for the movie, frankly. Uh, but like a preamble to a terrible shooting, and it's just like that stuff is still super evocative because it does. Like I think for it's it's got a timelessness for anyone who's seen any of that footage. That goes along with like the horror of what's happening along with like that kind of war photography style, like the telephoto lens and the low angle, like the yeah, it photographer looks like news footage. Yeah, yeah. Cause they're terrified. They're not going to stand up. You know, they don't want to be in the line of fire and all that stuff. You just, it speaks of volumes about like what's going on in that situation. And he's so good about like, when he he takes off like the filmmaker hat of like these are a scene and here's blocking a guy walks in and then they have a conversation and this guy exits and someone else comes in like all that filmmaking goes away when he just does a single shot of that kind of stuff and it's just like wow that's really actually what he's good at like i think that's kubrick's superpower it's not actually the normal filmmaking what we call where it's like basic sequence where it's like shot reverse shot and all that stuff he's not that interesting when it comes to that but like when it's just like take a take a photograph of what the situation is or a postcard of what the problem you want to talk about is and evoke a feeling uh he can yeah he's got a real eye cinematographer's director in many ways yeah well then i mean like there's an old uh, saying i can't remember where i've heard it but i love it uh except for every dp i've ever worked with hates it um but it's every shot's a close-up right like so every i mean just just talking talking about like the shorthand of being able to communicate certain things with just the way you compose a shot or the way you 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 use an edit or whatever like you know in lawrence of arabia there's a whole lot of closes close-ups of how Mm -hmm. lonely the desert is you know, like yeah, exactly. those, those ideas that need to register quick on screen. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because like his, you know, his, ed- he's never, will never be known for his editing, you know, technique, yeah. but like, that's, that's not what he did. Like he, he put images on screen in a way that made, that made you immediately feel something bananas. And he did it in every genre too. Like, I mean, he made a great comedy and he made a great horror movie and a great sci-fi movie. And like he's, that's he's, right. 
Like he's not a guy whose style really adapts to a genre. Like he just makes the genre, I think. Yeah. I think it's, it comes from like, well, what's going on? Well, what's, what is a perfect rendition of that in a single frame that evokes all the things I wish to evoke? It's like super dense. uh, And he does it like once or twice in each of his films. And it's the ones we remember, you know? So there is that. I mean, and credit where credit's it's due. It's the one where the, the subtle stuff, <laughs> like uh, hooting and a hollering while you're riding a nuclear bomb down to the surface of the planet. Right, right. That really the real, shows the, real, the absurdity. The real restraint of that that sort of content. <laughs> Getting yeah. drunk and chopping your family up. You know, yeah. the subtle, <laughs> yeah. subtle, the subtle, subtle stuff. stuff. <laughs> the, Cinema verte, uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Hell yeah. What else? What else? I think that was a bracing Kubrickian conversation. Yeah, it yeah, felt I like it to me. That. I don't have a what else, but if you do, Abe, I don't want to cut you off. Nah, I don't. All I right. don't. Otherwise, I'm going to say thank you, Clint. Dude, thank uh, you. Honestly, yeah. it's weird. I should have invited you on at some point while we overlapped at IGN. It's weird that it took this yeah. long. But <laughs> I wouldn't feel weird so about much. it. Yeah, and this thank is, you. This is my this whole was... excuse to still talk with people, and I, this I know, great. right? Yeah. yeah, I I miss I, that's one of the the chief reasons I miss having a podcast. It was just, just exactly. like it was an excuse to to communicate with people I I think are fun. Well, yeah. you don't have a podcast, but your dulcet tones still do hit the interwebs regularly. Where can people find what you're working on like they nowadays? They do. Yeah, no, I'm I'm still working at uh, I'm at IGN. Uh, you can hear me over there. I work. Uh, I manage Cinefix. You can hear me there practically all the time. Um, mm-hmm. and there, you know, there's nothing imminent, but there, I'm always, always a threat to do something weird. I'm, we're, we're working on a weird, we wrote a part of a, um, I, I co-wrote three books several years ago and the oh, wow. fourth, the fourth book that we were going to write, we were going to do as an exquisite corpse. And then we decided mm-hmm. to make it also a podcast and boy, has it taken us a <laughs> long time to actually do that. Um, and it's silly even mentioning it because it's not going to be out anytime soon at all. But but what's know, that just, project called if people want to look at the original three well, books like me? Oh, uh, you can. They're all on uh, all on Amazon. Uh, it's not the end of the world. Is the first one, which is nice. uh, another weirdly apocalyptic uh, book. It's about a, I had uh, to imagine. Yeah, it's about a uh, for seven weeks. Everybody thinks an asteroid is about to destroy the planet, and then it misses. Uh, and so everybody that thought it was the end of the world has to live with the shit that they did while they thought it was the nice. end of the world. Uh, and we wound up having so much fun with that. We wrote two other related books. They're, they're kind of a trilogy, but it's Please not the end of the world. It just happens again over and over. They're like, this <laughs> yes. asteroid really does No, time, but though. seriously. Super we, close. We double Space checked the math. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, the so did is, you say meters? Oh, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Oh, you oh, no, forgot it was a meters. <laughs> Uh, that's great. Uh, but yeah, that's you can great. find those on Amazon. They're fun. And then at some point, uh, we'll put out the next one, which is called Oh Shit Vampires. Um, so <laughs> really, really heady stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun, fun stuff. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah, thank you. I think thanks, that's man. all we got. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is going to be on the free feed. So thanks for listening. If you want to check out some of our super bonus secret shows that are behind the paywall, like. Star Trek The Next Futurama and Spielboys. You can find those over at patreon.com slash smallbeans. Otherwise, you're already at the right 
spot. You're here. You made yeah. it. Congratulations. And the experience is it. over, so the interchange is done now. It's honestly and it's if weird that you're still listening. Yeah. If you're you if you are listening on the Patreon feed, which comes at all of our stuff comes out earlier, uh, next week we have a new show coming out that will be also behind a paywall. I don't think we're announcing it yet. <laughs> I mean, we could. So, that's yes, but I'm just saying. Just look, double back. more reasons, more reasons yeah. to do the Patreon is all I'm right. saying. Well, once uh, once we get off the air, let's let's circle back about all the packaging and uh, you know the headline and all of that, all of that fun stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, you we'll AB it. test some stuff and yep. we'll beat mm-hmm. it out. Great. Shut it down. <laughs> Lose the grid. Down. Or lose your job. This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!